Well, good morning, church. Hey, it's good to be here with you guys. My name is Kyle Anderson. I'm a long lost friend of your lead pastor, Scott. And uh, he asked me actually last year to come and speak to you guys. And because of COVID, wasn't able to do that. So here we are today. I'm, I'm so glad that I finally get a chance uh, to be with you guys. And what's even cooler is in a couple weeks, I will be there in person. And so I can start to meet all the people uh, in Scott's church. And, and I've heard a lot about you guys and I've watched your church from afar. And I know there's a lot of exciting things going on there. And so I'm really, really excited to be out there in a couple weeks. Um, a little bit about myself. I am a pastor at a church, actually my home church in Kansas. That's right. Uh, we have very few people, but we have a lot of churches in Kansas. So it's kind of a weird deal. But yeah, and I'm sure you guys right now are inserting some Kansas joke. There's no place like home. Or do I have a dog named Toto? Or have I met Dorothy? And that's because that's the only thing people know of Kansas. I have never once heard anybody going, yeah, we're getting ready to go on vacation. We're headed to Kansas. Like we don't, we, we've never had a tourist here. Our own family members don't come visit us in Kansas. So yeah, it's a, a small town uh, in Kansas, but it's great people. Uh, we love the community. We love our church family here. And um, so I'm just excited to be back home as a pastor here in my home church. I'm married to a beautiful wife. Her name is Shelby. And uh, funny story, the first time that Scott ever met my wife, he was actually kind of upset because he said, there's no way somebody that beautiful should be married to you. And here's the funny thing. I feel the exact same way about Scott and his wife. I don't know how he got her, but we are both lucky guys because we don't deserve the wives we have, but whatever. So uh, I have three kids. I have an 18-year-old son. His name is Austin. He just graduated high school. I have a 16-year-old daughter, and I have a 12-year-old daughter. So that's my family, and I can't wait to be out there and to, to meet you guys and your family. So, But today, I want to talk about struggle, because I think right now uh, that is something that is affecting every church. It's affecting every community. Uh, like we talked about, over the last year, year and a half, it has been really, really hard. And we've lost people in our own congregation due to COVID. Uh, friends and family have been affected by it. And so it just seems like there's a lot of people that have struggled, which we know that we're, we're not immune to that as Christians. Uh, we go through that. But today I just want to talk about how it looks different for us as Christians. I mean, if I talk to my dad about struggle, he'll tell me about how when he was growing up, uh, he would give me those stories, you know, you walk to school five miles each way and they're both uphill and you're, you know, knee deep in snow. And, and so I would always hear those stories about how he struggled. He grew up, uh, my grandma had 14 kids. And so uh, there was hard times, not always a, a lot of uh, food or extra clothing or any of that. And so my dad talks about the way that he struggled as a child. And it's kind of embarrassing. I mean, the way that I feel uh, compared to the way my dad grew up, like I really don't have anything to complain about. And I mean, you think about nowadays, if, if we were to go to uh, a fast food restaurant uh, and we have to wait for our food more than four minutes, then we consider ourselves that we're struggling. Like, you got to be kidding me. This is supposed to be fast food. And then at my house, I mean, in Kansas, we have extreme temperatures. So in the winter, it can be like a wind chill of like negative 10. And the summer, it can be like a heat index of like 110. So we literally have like 100 degree swings in this state. We experience like brutal both ways. And so if our house, if the, if the air conditioning is not quite working and our thermostat gets to like 74 degrees, it's a struggle. I mean, it's like, this is rough. I don't know how we're going to be able to make this, you know? And then I remember last year when my son was quarantined, we were having issues with our Wi-Fi and it would go in and out. And I remember my son would come out of his room and he's like, you got to be kidding me, guys. We're like, Wi-Fi, it's out. 
like you know like it's a prison this place is hurrying on i'm like dude it's wi-fi but but our idea of struggle is is through the lens of what we've experienced in our life i mean i will tell you i'm going to be completely transparent the last six to eight weeks for our family has been brutal i mean people in this church kind of laugh about our family because one of two things is always happening either we're in the midst of like miracles and god's blessing us crazy miracles or our family is just like struggling like bad things are happening there's never any like middle with my family it's either really really good or it's really really bad and so yeah the last six to eight weeks has been really really bad i mean i'll just start it with memorial day my son just started a brand new job he was driving home four o'clock in the afternoon on memorial day and he was hit head on by a drunk driver and so that's what started it and i'm telling you luckily he 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 totally struck but he walked away but i mean just we've had to go through you know got to get a car now we have to buy tags and come up with money for down payments and like he was the victim but it seems like all of the struggle has been on us and then in the midst of this like our our van the ac breaks on it which the heat index around here is like 100 and so no ac in the van that my wife drives and so then my mower breaks down which it wouldn't seem like a big deal but i mean i have like four acres of like yard that i have to mow and it's so then all of a sudden it gets knee deep i'm embarrassed our yard looks terrible and i i know it's not that big of a deal but it's just more like piling on and then we had this big rainstorm that came through and our roof starts leaking and we're like what what in the world and so that piles on and then uh my wife in the midst of all of this like needing money to be able to survive because of all the expenses we're getting my wife suddenly out of nowhere loses her job and so it gets to be a situation and i'm not gonna lie it's embarrassing especially as a pastor but there's certain times i kind of i kind of look at god and i'm like am i did i do something wrong like why like why is all of this happening like it's just struggle after struggle after struggle and i'm like god am i out of line with you like am i doing something wrong and and i know that's not the case but sometimes when it starts pouring like pouring on you just get to the point where you're like i I don't know how much more of this i can take like i need a victory and the crazy thing is when we look at the bible when we go back and really look at the bible the characters that we know and we see and we love they struggled big big struggles like mine don't even compare i mean think about noah towards the beginning i mean here's a guy that's building a cruise ship basically in his front yard and everybody's laughing at him and making fun of him and he's trying to honor god but there's a struggle like a real struggle and then there's victory and then we look at like moses i mean one of the heroes of the bible i mean he's tasked with leading these people out of egypt right and then he gets out and all of a sudden the army's coming behind him and he's getting ready to get slaughtered and so he's like struggle and then victory and then struggle and then the 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 water parts and there's victory and they pass and then they're in the desert and there's struggle and moses has got to be thinking like where's my victory like it's just struggle after struggle and then job like think about job he was a great man he lost everything like one of the most horrible struggles and stories in the bible happened to job but he was faithful and then there was victory and we look at joseph who was thrown into to a pit and and put into slavery and he didn't do anything wrong 
And then he's like in this dungeon for years and years and years and he's still faithful to God and faithful, but it's struggle and struggle and struggle. And then finally, Joseph gets victory. I mean, even we look at Jesus, right? He comes here to love and to save the world. And it's a struggle. But in the end, there's victory. That's our story. I mean, look at the early church. I want to read this passage out of Corinthians. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. This is the start of the church. Like, it's so bad, I don't know that I want to live. And these are people that are abiding in Jesus. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. That's the early church. These are the people that have dedicated their lives to Jesus. And right out the gate, it's struggle. I mean, think about even the people that come after him. Stephen. I love the story of Stephen because this is one of struggle like we can't even imagine. But listen to what happens in the midst of this. And Stephen is going to say some things to the people of that day that are, are going to get him in big trouble. I mean, this is what he says. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. This dude's just speaking the truth. Like, he's just telling them how it is. And then this is what happens next. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged. They ground their teeth to him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. The reason why I love that passage is because in the midst of what Stephen knew was going to happen, he knew that if he spoke these things boldly, he was probably going to lose his life. And in that moment, he looks up. In this struggle, he looks up to the heavens and he sees Jesus right beside God. So in the moment, Stephen knows right then what I'm getting ready to die for was, was real. Jesus is where he said he was going to be. And the cool thing about that imagery is Jesus wasn't sitting at the right hand of God. Jesus was standing and if you go through the New Testament, I can't find another spot where it says Jesus was standing. And I, I know this sounds kind of weird, but it's kind of like a sporting event. Like when you get really excited and you're really into it and you're cheering somebody on, you can't help it. You come to your feet. And it, it's, it's like Jesus was at his feet, like standing there, looking down at Stephen going, good job. Like, yes, Stephen, you're getting ready to experience victory. I can't imagine that moment. 
Stephen looking up and seeing Jesus exactly where he said he was going to be. And in that moment, Stephen didn't care about the struggle because he knew everything that he had said and spoken and believed and prayed about was all true. Jesus is exactly who he said he is. God was faithful from the beginning of time. And they still are. It's not just the Bible. Our lives have these struggles. I remember when I lived in Florida, my daughter was uh, two, maybe just getting ready to turn three. And she was practicing one day cheers with her older sister. And we were all in the living room and, and we told our daughter like to, to cheer and put her hand up. And as we were watching her, we noticed that, that her arm couldn't bend. And so we were like, Cambry, just straighten your arm. And she kind of looked at us and she said, I can't. And I was like, Cambry, just straighten your arm. And she couldn't do it. So we took her to the doctor and they proceeded to try to pop it back into place. It was brutal. And then they took us to the specialist and they said, there's got to be something broken in her elbow, so we're going to cast it. And then at the last second, the doctor came in and he said, her elbow's not broke. He said, there's something else going on here. And so we took our daughter down to a special children's hospital in Tampa. And I remember going in there and I was so upset because my daughter was in pain and we didn't know what was wrong with her. And I would watch parents wheeling their kids through the hallways. And these kids were, a lot of them had just had like heart surgery or were battling cancer. And it was the most humbling thing to be in that hospital because my daughter was was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis and yes it, it's probably going to affect her the rest of her life and she's gone through a lot of pain and injections and medications it's been a really rough hard journey for her she's been doing this for the last 10 years straight but you look at those other people in the room and those other kids man their struggle was far greater than ours and I look at Stephen and I think about his struggle. And I'm like, man, this is hard. It's hard to, to believe. And it's hard to be full of joy and feel all of God's blessings when you're in the midst of struggle and pain. I remember at, at my work, I, I worked for a CBS affiliate. I was head of operations there and I worked there for quite a few years. And it was, it was kind of weird because in the newsroom, we didn't have a lot of people that, that were Christians. And so I kind of felt like I was always by myself on an island. And every once in a while, they would make a comment, and I didn't know if it was directed at me or what, what they were trying to get to. But I remember one day my boss, there, we were doing a story about a kid, I think they were doing a benefit for him, and he had terminal cancer. And I remember my boss was sitting in her office, and I just heard her say, yeah, I just don't get it. So how can a loving God allow this to happen? And I just, I couldn't hold it in anymore. Like, I got up from my desk, and I walked in there, and I said, do you really want to know? Like, are you asking a question or is that a statement? And she goes, no, by all means, if you can explain to me like wh why this is happening, then I'd love to listen. So I sat down and you know what? I didn't know if I was going to have the words, but this is all I could come up with. I told her, I said, here's the deal. For God to be able to protect all of us, for us to be safe and to always be happy, there's no way that we would be able to have free will. There's no way that we could have freedom in life if God didn't allow us to live this kind of life. Like the only way that you can appreciate God's love is to know what pain 
and hurt feels like. Like the only way that I can truly love my wife is because I know what it's like to not have her in my life. And that goes for everything. I, I explained to her, I said, think about it. For us to have a perfect life would mean we'd be, we'd, we'd be in bubble tape and we'd have to be in a room. We couldn't experience things where we could fall down or crash a bike or, or get hurt hiking. or We couldn't experience all, any of those things. I don't want that kind of life. And here's the other thing. If I had that kind of life that was perfect, I would have no desire to go to heaven because my life was perfect. And I would have no desire to love Jesus. Zero. Like the world that she's talking about means I wouldn't be on the stage right now. Because the only reason why I'm preaching and that I'm convicted to do this with my life is because I know there's something better. Like the pain that I experience on this earth has made me lean in to Jesus more. I want something better. And I, that's what I told her. I want this life. I want the suffering. Because it's going to make heaven that much sweeter. And every time I suffer, I lean into Jesus that much more. I'm okay with struggle. You know, I've been watching these videos. And, and, and our worship pastor sent me one a couple of weeks ago. And it was these kids in Africa that were singing these Maverick City songs. And uh, it's the most humbling thing you will ever watch. I mean, these are kids that, that barely have clothes. Who knows what kind of food they have? Who knows if they have clean drinking water? But here they are. They circle up in this dirt front yard looking thing. And you've got this little boy that's taking a cardboard piece of something and he's drawing piano keys on it. And then there's a guy over there with a bucket that's got two sticks that he got cut out of a tree and he's the drummer. And then they've got the, the singers and they've taken sticks and put them in the ground and then they've put these drinking bottles on top of them to be their microphone. And in this video, you sing them singing like a song about God's promises. And they're dancing and they're cheering and their hands are in the air and they're worshiping. And I look at them and I go, how can they worship God like that? I don't worship like that. How is it when their life is such a struggle, how can they do that? And I think the answer is simple. It's because someday they know they're going to have victory because of God's promises. Like Jesus rose from the dead and gave us victory. Every single one of us is going to experience victory. And those kids in Africa, here's the thing, they're not living for the materialistic things of this world. They're not worried about the nice clothes or a nice house or a new car because they're focused, their eyes are set solely on the promise. They know that they can praise God here because there's a mansion being built for them there. They know that someday they're going to sit at a table where there's food, abundant amount of food. And they'll have fine clothes and they'll have all of these things. And so they're worshiping not about this place, this earth. They're worshiping because they know this is not their home. And they can't wait to go to where their home is. To be in heaven with Jesus. 
It's one of the most powerful things you can witness because it puts things into perspective. And I told you about the struggle that I've had the last six weeks, but, but can I tell you how that, that, that story ends? Here's the deal. My son walked away from that crash just fine. His truck was totaled. Who cares? And, and, and then we, uh, we had the van looked at because the, the AC had broke, right? And it's 100 degrees outside. And we took it to the mechanic and the guy said, hey, I've got it fixed. It's $35. We've never had a car fixed for $35. My uncle, who does construction, came over and patched up the roof, taken care of for free. Like every single issue that we've had, God has provided. I mean, we were going to have to make a down payment for my son's car, tags and taxes. Everything was going to be like $4,000. And then randomly, one day in the mail, we get our second stimulus check. This is just a couple weeks ago. We didn't even think that we were going to give one. And it provided, it provided the money to take care of the down payments, the tags, the taxes. It took care of everything. And we had some left. Like God provided. And my wife lost her job and like two days later she gets a phone call and it's this company and they're like, we want you. We'll do anything to get you. You name your price. My wife got a job making twice as much money as she did before. And so here I am pleading to God, what have I done wrong? Like, why are you punishing me? What, what, am I out of line? What do I need to do, Lord? And the whole time, God's like, I've got this. Like, I've got this. You put your faith in me, and after the struggle, you're going to see the victory. I mean, we've seen victory. So I would tell you today, I would challenge you. We, you know, it's something that people say around church sometimes, but it's like you're either going into a struggle you're in the middle of a struggle or you're you're getting out of a struggle like it's just a matter of time and i would just tell you look at the bible look at the stories we are not immune from struggle we are not immune from sin but when we abide in jesus and put our trust in jesus and call out to god and say i need help god hears us and there's victory. And so you may be sitting here today, and I don't know what your situation is. But I know in this church, in my home church, God has sent us a lot of marriages lately. And these are couples that are struggling and are broken. And they are leaning in to Jesus because they are fighting a war and a battle to save their marriage. We believe that they're going to see victory. And we've had a lot of people that have been sick in our community. And COVID has hit us hard. We live right outside of Joplin, Missouri. And, and, and while we're filming this, Joplin is the, the highest rate of COVID right now in the country. Like we're in the middle of this. But we know that after this is over, there's victory. Maybe you're having that with your kids, or your finances, or relationships, or coworkers, or whatever. And I would just encourage you, lean in. Lean in to Jesus. Pray to him. Talk to him. Because I promise, victory is coming. Guys, I cannot wait to see you in a couple weeks. And I hope that we get to celebrate through this. Maybe something's going on in your life right now and you're going to have the opportunity to tell me how you saw God give you victory. 
in the midst of your struggle. I can't wait for that. Guys, I'm so excited about meeting all of you, and I'll see you in a couple weeks. Take care.